Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Socially Savvy, broadcasting live from the Gunner Nordstrom Gallery here at Bellevue Place Building. I'm your host, LB Duchess, with co-host Tracy Klinkroth of Chick Chat, and we're going to have Fancy Frenchwood of Talking Seattle giving a call in here shortly to um, give us an update on some of the stuff that she was doing. Hi, Tracy. Hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, we are very fortunate today to be hanging out at one of my favorite people's um, uh, galleries here, Gunnar Nordstrom's in Bellevue. Um, I love what he does for the community and his artwork. It's just a very open and fun place, and so we're very fortunate to be able to hang out here today. Yes, we are. I know. So talking about that, um, I thought we might as well touch base, because you were here with me too, Tracy. I was. On Wednesday when uh, we came for Gunnar's um, Open, and the first Wednesday of the month, he introduces the new artist of the month, and has rotated all the art around, and you get a chance to check out who they are. And a lot of times he has the artist on location, so you can ask them questions and talk to them and, and kind of get an inside scoop of what their art was about. Totally, you know, not all, ooh, high and mighty, hobby-nobby, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. people were totally approachable and fun. Let me say the bartender, he was a hoot. Oh, the bartender is a kick. I don't yeah. know where Gunnar got him, but we love him. <laughs> Um, and the uh, the artist, um, Charlie Barr, I love his stuff, really beautiful, lots of red, all trees. Oh, yeah. Pacific Northwest, I would imagine, artist. Um, but I had to say I was also drawn to the nudes. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. Well, the two different artists and the one that does the um, the tile work. Yes, that is, I have the name right here. Oh, good. I'm going to say it wrong. <laughs> but Ken Wachvito. Ken yeah. Wachvito. Yeah, it's... Um, can you tell a little bit about it's all dots? It's all basically what he's done is he has tiles and he uses this dot technology and creates these um, nudes and partial nudes off of the tiles. So he works around the structure of the tile. So you have these pieces where it's almost like uh, archaic or something you would find on on a a dig, like in Rome, if you were to go out and, you know, be digging through the sand and all of a sudden this beautiful piece would come out like it was a, a relic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's beautiful work. Um, what I like so much about them, too, is that you can, uh, they kind of fit almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't seem to be restrictive and they're not, um, they're very tastefully oh, totally done. Tasteful. Very tastefully yeah. done. So, very gorgeous. Yeah. And then he has also Carrie Vila. She's um, from Eastern Washington and her nudes are in the Front of the gallery, on the back, yes, on the back. Side I absolutely of the love, and she's a uh, from Eastern Washington. Yeah, and she did when she her art came in last week, I believe, and um, I just happened to to pop in um, the day before the show, and he had her art on the floor and stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, I want that piece. I want yeah, just again a little bit bigger pieces, beautiful for me. It just reminded me of something that'd be great to put in like a a bathroom or something that you wanted to have a little bit more of an intimate feel because it was a little bit. 
um, it's more revealing than some of the other nudes are where they're more partial. So yeah. that's still just really beautiful portrayal. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. So, yeah, here in a little bit on the show, we're going to be able to um, sit Gunner down and do a live interview with him. We're very excited. So he can tell us about, you know, how he started and what all this art is. (laughs) So moving forward on the show, um, some of the things we're going to go over today are going to be defining socialite, what your clothes say about you, and, of course, pretty much whatever we have a tendency to spin off on. (laughs) Us being women, we have a tendency to uh, just, you know, I don't know, run with whatever yeah, yeah, yeah comes into time. our mind. Um, I am going to try right now to hook in with um, Fancy. She was going to be calling in live, so bear with me for a second while I see if there is a, if I can answer this call. I am, this is one of those, oh, I think I just hung up on her. So, Fancy, try back because I'm a technical, not so smart now. <laughs> Okay. Well, this last week, we were very fortunate. We had a lot of fun events coming up. Um, our first report on what happened last week is going to be brought to us by Pop Chips, Never Fried, Never Baked, Think Popped. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think we've brought this up before, but I love what they do for the community. They're nationwide. They're, you know, have just hit like gangbusters, mm-hmm. but they still are such a part of each and every individual community and different things that they're reaching out and helping out or talking about. Um, So no matter where you are in in the nation, go on and check out Pop Chips. Yeah. Chick Chat does um, events in L.A. and Chicago as well, and they have their Pop Ambassadors or however they refer to them. They're really great to work with, and they're always really happy, of course, to give you samples and who doesn't like this a good bag or case of oh, yeah. to take home. Well, and when we broad, do our broad, our live broadcast shows where we're on location and are set up, we, they're one of our sponsors. Mm-hmm. So anytime that we're doing a live broadcast show, um, definitely stop by because you'll get a bag yeah. of chips. <laughs> okay. So what did you do last week? So what did we do last week? Last week was an interesting week. We um, started out the week with, uh, of course, the show. And I think the three of us, or the four of us, we went gangbusters for like four and a half hours mm-hmm. talking about upcoming things and and kind of setting the tone for the show. Uh, we popped into uh, Working Women's Wednesday mm-hmm. over at Lucky Strike. That was fun. That is very fun. And I love Jubal and Brooke. Oh, that was the first time I've met either one of them, and I'm really excited to be working with them at their last Wednesday. Yeah, let me say, because you're going to yeah, be host. That's going to be kind of helping them with kind of bring a little more networking. Yeah, tell us about what it is that that was going to be entailing Um, that last week. Yeah, we're going, Chick Chat is going to be bringing a quote-unquote expert panel of about four coaches um, the last Wednesday of um, each month or any month that we're we're collaborating with um, Move-In and Working Women's Wednesdays. And that just means we're going to bring different um, local coaches who are experts in a particular field, whether that be nutrition or finances or, you know, style or... So fun. Like I'm excited to come and yeah, sit down so and to talk do, to some of them. Yeah, you get to do a little mini one-on-one kind of 10-minute sessions and you can go around to each coach and, you know, so it's always fun to go for cocktails and a bite, but it's also nice to kind of actually talk to other people that you didn't come with. So Oh, yeah, that's no. Whole idea. Well, and that's what's really fun about their work in... It's work in Women's Wednesday because it used to be the ladies' room, but um, I have a a heads up that they're going to be changing the name so that Jubal doesn't feel like quite as left out. Well, we met some 
We met. There was quite a few gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. It's kind of evolving past the whole girls thing into a a a more social for for both sides kind of thing. I guess we have to let the guys in sometimes. Yeah, we do. We do. But the other thing that's really fun is they have had some great sponsors and mm-hmm. some great giveaways. So if oh, you're yeah. in the Bellevue area, they're going to be at Lucky Strike every Wednesday through mm-hmm. the month of March um, from 5 to 7. So definitely pop in, uh, hit it for 5 to 7, and then go bowling. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever been bowling up there, but it yeah, is a blast. Yeah. <laughs> too, too much fun. So that was the beginning of the week. Um, then... I have popped into Matthew Estates. Uh, they had an Apex. Matthew's, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm getting my all my wires crossed. Um, Matthew's is actually coming up next. So I'm, okay. I'm jumping ahead here. I'm just crazy today. <laughs> it's my Monday. Oh, <laughs> uh, what else did we cover this week? We were at. Oh, I know. We had quite a few different things opening up this week. A lot of new stuff is coming up in Bellevue. And this last weekend, Sky Ultra Lounge opened on Saturday night. Mm. And Sky Ultra Lounge is a sports bar during the day, and at night it opens into an Ultra Lounge. It's on the third floor of the Galleria Mall over here in Bellevue. Um, interesting. Uh, what I find so interesting is that these clubs are opening all over the place, but doesn't they're not necessarily on main floors. They're mm. it, tucked away. A yeah, bit. kind of tucked away a little bit. And um, their format was pretty nice as far as the open floor plan. They have a, the dance floor is kind of in the middle, so there's an area that you, you know, would have to kind of bypass to go to in the back, which I think is a little bit more of a VIP section. Um, and then their bar was a good size, so you could get up to it without too much difficulty. Uh, so it's going to be something to watch. Yes. Ultra Lounge. I mean, what is that exactly supposed to be? Um, basically, I think with the feeling of an Ultra Lounge, and, and I will. Actually, this is a good question. We will get the definition for this okay. next week. But my feel with all the ultra lounges that I have gone to and um, been a part of their opens, basically what they're trying to do is take a night atmosphere and take it up a notch so that there's VIP seating, there's um, special kind of a, 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 an ambiance to it other than just being so a bar. Kind of swanky, yeah, chill, swanky, hang chill. out, have conversations rather than exactly. gyrating music. Well, kinda. and the, the music thing, that's the only part that I don't quite mm-hmm. understand because some of the music has a tendency to be um, different. You know, each Ultra Lounge has a different theme mm-hmm. to it. Uh, my first impression of an Ultra Lounge would have been something where the music was a little bit more of a background until later in the evening yeah where our demographic, which is, you know, the 30 to 60-something, would get a chance to do their visiting. And then, you know, as you drink and, and get into the evening, then you have a tendency. Then to you really up. do your visiting. Then you do your <laughs> really, yeah, then you're really visiting and dancing and all that. But um, I don't know if Seattle has really, Seattle and Bellevue have really grabbed what an ultra lounge, at least my perception of what an ultra lounge would be. So we'll take a look into that. And then actually maybe we'll research what some of the ultra lounges back yeah. east are doing in yeah. Miami and stuff. Okay. That's a, that's a good point. I like that you said that. Well, we're going to take a quick break here and um, come back and try to answer Fancy. I believe she is calling in. And then um, we're going to be interviewing with Gunnar Nordstrom. So uh, give us just a few minutes and we will be right back to visit with you.
Okay, we're back with Socially Savvy. Our music, for some whatever reason, did not want to work. So let's see if we can go ahead and answer the call from um, uh, Fancy and see if it is going to work. You know, what I love so much about this is the technical aspects of how this is supposed to be working. <laughs> Maybe we should have some uh, te- some techie uh, geek come on one week. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking we need to find ourselves a techie geek that can do this and play with us. <laughs> because I have this caller here and I cannot seem to get her to come up. And everybody listening is going, okay, lovely. Gotta love it. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, we're just gonna move on. Fancy. <laughs> Sorry, fancy. Love ya. We don't know what's going on. We love you, but it's just not working out for us. Uh, so, moving on with the show, uh, one of the things that we are going to cover is uh, defining socialite. And um, socialite yeah. is one of those words that gets used very um, broadly. Mm-hmm. And I have a stylist friend of mine, Sarah, who reminded me what the essence of being a socialite is and I had I had no idea because my first introduction to a socialite was you know Paris Hilton and she's yeah, not really a socialite she's just a party girl I she's think that's a, different well and that's what so when I looked up the the definition it says um when your basic definition is a person who is well known in fashionable society and is fond of social activities and entertainment but then you go into the core of what a socialite socialite is, and um, it goes on to say, um, a person who participates in social activities and spends a significant amount of time entertaining and being entertained at fashionable upper-class events. Um, Socialites have used their social skills and connections Mm -hmm. to promote and raise funds for various charities and uh, philanthropic activities. That that, that second part was the part that I had been unaware of. when you think of, you know, the old school, like the Vanderbilts and, yes. you know, the New York socialites, I mean, those are people who had social status and money and who also used it to yes. create good. Yes. Well, and then the next definitely talks about the contemporary socialites may yeah. include persons considered by the media to have a certain notoriety. And that was where my first introduction to a socialite was with, you know, like the Paris Hilton and that kind of thing. I almost think that if you go back and you take a look at history, there was a responsibility if you were a socialite to help the community and to be a part of bringing and bridging people together. It's kind of sad to say that a lot of that's been lost. Well, but I think also because of the way that we are here in Seattle and the Pacific Northwest, you know, our socialites are more so I think of someone like the Nordstroms and the Benaroyas and the yes. Gates. And I don't think they really want to or have a desire to position themselves that way. Yeah, they don't they're not seeking the notoriety. They're they're simply trying to support the institutions and the programs that are out there that reach deep into the community. Um I know I was part of assistance league for a year and unfortunately I had to put that on hold by raising children. Um but that was another organization that these women, you know it was the organization? It's called the Assistance League. Assistance and League. it is all over the United States. It was uh kinda came out of the San Francisco fires where the socialites back then um they took part in trying to help and get into the community and find the holes. And so the whole organization organization is based off of going into your community and finding where the holes are, where are the things that people need help that just seem to fall outside of everybody else's normal um, what's acceptable for them to do. And um, Assistance League does something called uh, 
uh, was it back to school, and they work with the community and the counselors in all the different schools to figure out what kids can't afford clothes. Mm-hmm. And so they raise funds to make sure that when back to school comes, they have like $110 a kid. And these kids, they, they team up with um, Kruger, Fred Meyer, and they go back, you know, clothes shopping. So these kids get to go to school with a pair of jeans that fits, a pair of mm-hmm. shoes that don't have holes in them. Um, you know, so that to me really kind of emulates the whole socialite, but those no. people don't want no, the notoriety. That's, more, that's social entrepreneurship. Yes. Philanthropy. Yeah. That's almost cooler to be these days like the Brad Pitts and Angelina Jolie, yeah. you know, rather than socialized. It's almost a little too self-endearing. Don't it, you think? It is. Like, do you know anybody that calls themselves a socialite? Um, well, it's funny because when, <laughs> when I put, posted the show, I posted myself as a socialite thinking that that was a social <laughs> thing. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'll eat. But a lot of people use that term and they use it very, very broadly. So, yeah, I'm going to be editing that. <laughs> I mean, I do try. Well, you're to, socially savvy. I'm socially savvy, and I do try to promote. I mean, 65% of what socially savvy covers during the year um, are um, events that benefit in charities and support different organizations like Your Venice is Thinking, um, the Black and White Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's so many great, great yeah. organizations out there. And the fun thing is, is they throw these great events. And so and you get to dress up and feel kind of social. Exactly. Right? And and maybe that's really where the yeah. whole social thing comes from is, is taking um, people who have a social status and creating events where they can come and and support these events and have a good time at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very fortunate in this area, too. I think a lot of um, the companies around here seem to be very, very supportive. Very rarely mm-hmm. when I get out into the community and because I have a tendency to go out and do a lot of know, searching for items for different fundraisers from the Little League football mm-hmm. to the, the high school events to some of these other bigger mm-hmm. things, even like with you and the Chick Chat stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you, your knowledge is like way over mine. But um, very rarely when I go and ask, you know, hey, we've got this event going on. Do you mind supporting it? They're like, hey, yeah, like on the spot. I know they, they really do because I used to have to do procurement for auctions. And, um, you know, even in today's economy, there's companies and small businesses that are still, you know, opening their wallets and their hearts to try to um, give to really worthy uh, nonprofits. Do you know there's over 400 charity auctions in our area, between Seattle and the east side? <laughs> no wonder they keep popping up I on know. my computer. I mean, but that's great, much, though. But well, yeah, I think, and, and I guess it comes down to where you start looking at the different events and yeah, that's one of the things that Socially Savvy has been really, that kind of created Socially Savvy was a, a way for people to find out about these mm-hmm. events, find out which ones kind of cater to what they want. Because some people want more of a casual experience. Yeah. Other people, like me, who have, you know, four or five dresses, we want to wear the dresses. Yes. We want I to want go more dress I know, yeah. I love dress up. I don't like it so much. <laughs> um, some of them, I think it's nice when you have these events where they can spice it up a little yeah. bit, where they don't have to necessarily wear a suit, where they can wear more of a costume. Like your Venice is in thinking everybody had a really good yeah, time. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, people loved getting in costume for that. They did. Really going all out. They did. So you have to look on the Venice is Thinking fan page on Facebook. We have lots of links to some of your photos. Yes, and, and other um, people other who participated. Kathy Omen's Amanda House's photos. So yeah. People should check that out to get excited for next year. Well, and from what I understand, the buzz, everybody was thrilled to death. So that will be sold out next year. <laughs> I'm very excited. So we're going to take another quick break, and we're going to come back with Gunnar Nordstrom.
Okay, and we are back here with Gunnar Nordstrom's and um, Tracy. So, hello, Gunnar. Hi, Duchess. Tracy. <laughs> and Gunnar Nordstrom is the owner of um, his gallery over here, and it is this wonderful little. I don't know. It's it doesn't seem. Oh, wait, pre- yes, our, I yeah, I definitely feel like that because I, when we walked by the first time before I ever met you, Gunnar, um, I was intrigued and I actually walked in and typically when I walk by a gallery I'm uh, terrified (laughs) you know I feel like I'm out of place or I did because it didn't really come from any kind of an art background and uh, when I came to your first gallery open what was so nice is the people there was no pretentiousness there was no um, snobbiness it was just this great place to check out all these artists Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what inspired you to do this and, and the artists that you have. Well, you know, we've been located on the east side now for about 27 years. Um, we started out in Bellevue, spent five years here, moved to Kirkland, spent 18 years in the same location there. Wow. And then about two and a half years ago, um, as the economy slowed down a little bit, we uh, ended up moving here to this fantastic location at Bellevue Place right next to Joey's on the courtyard of the Hyatt. Yeah, we love it here. Uh, Bow Concepts uh, Furniture Store is coming in right next door, so it's going to be oh, just that'll a, be fabulous. It's going to be a, a great venue over here. Oh wow! Uh, Are you an artist yourself? I have a fine arts background. Okay. I went to WSU and I have a degree in education and fine arts. So started out uh, teaching, but never art, social studies, Washington State history, all the things <laughs> that I didn't uh, didn't excel at. Oh my gosh! Um, and then got into the uh, the gallery business um, after about three years. And what inspired you to get into the gallery business? Well, I think having a fine art background and knowing your limitations, where I wasn't uh, uh, an excellent uh, uh, top notch artist, I guess. Um, I enjoyed the the social aspect. I enjoyed the business end far more than I did any creative or producing end. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, went to work for a gallery um, here in Bellevue that many people knew for 30 years, named Kenneth Beam Galleries in Bellevue Square. Okay. And uh, uh, spent three years as, as his director there and then went out on my own. Wow. In the last 26, 27 years uh, uh, has just been a great ride. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, industry to be in. Um, you're surrounded by beauty. Um, oh, yeah. Most well, of the time. In the, it was a, at any given time, how many artists do you have in here? At any given time, I probably have a half a dozen. Um, okay. We feature one artist a month in the center part of the gallery, and then we, we keep a selection of other artists up uh, on an ongoing basis. Um, sometimes it's the rotation of the artists that we've shown the month before. Uh-huh. And then, obviously, there are artists that are, um, well, we're in the retail industry. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have... <laughs> sell we have, art. We, we're here to sell artwork, mm-hmm. and sometimes there are artists that sell better than others, and so we try to keep them up. Maybe have a little more of a national exposure, like Tom Ross. Oh, okay. So, so it's us artists from all over the country or all over the world? You or know, um, most of our artists come from uh, um, the United States. Um, we've had artists from outside the United States in the past. Um, I represent 16 different artists. We try to keep it to a limited, a limited number so that they get exposure all year long. It becomes kind of a family atmosphere. You know, it, it's a supportive atmosphere. Yeah. Um, they support me. I support them. And it, and if I had a hundred um, uh, different artists, you know, those guys would only be seen every three mm-hmm. or four years. Right. Um, so it's uh, uh, it makes it more convenient and certainly 
um, better exposure to keep the numbers down. So we keep it at 16, and that gives every artist um, about every year and a half to get a show or are certainly included in, in a group show kind of ongoing. Okay. Now, one of the things that you do every month is you have a, a vinissage and a finissage? Correct. Could uh, you explain those? I, oh, I'm surprised I didn't botch those words. <laughs> no, you did, you did very well at that. I, um, uh, well, for the past 20 years, we have had um, a second Wednesday opening, um, even when we were in Kirkland. And uh, when I moved here, I wanted to have uh, a venue. The, the parties have become very instrumental in the gallery's success. Um, the number of people that show up, whether they're here for a party or they're here for networking, um, creates an atmosphere of, um, I want to be here. Well, yeah, and I know, the, like I said, the first couple times I came here about a year ago, it was, to me, it was like this, social, you know, not just a social awakening, but kind of this ability to, I felt safe in checking out the art. I didn't feel intimidated. It was like, you know, and you were so great about walking around and telling me about the artist and kind of what was going on and, and you know, you're so welcoming. I think it makes a, it's, it's a great introduction into art. Well, we certainly appreciate that. We want to, you know, we're, we're a very friendly gallery. We're, we're small enough that we're intimate. And um, uh, for many years in Kirkland, we, we were um, very whimsical, so very brightly colored, very playful. And at this location, we're able to deviate a little bit into a larger variety of, of artwork. Uh-huh. Um, but getting back to the, the vernissage, uh, I wanted vernissage is, is your very typical opening of um, an artist show for the first night, um, where the artist would come in and he would put some finishing touches on the artwork, varnish. Oh, oh the okay. Vernissage. Okay. And it's, it's a European term um, that uh, has been used for centuries as this preview for an art opening. And then there's a traditional closing of an exhibit called finissage. And I wanted to find some way of branding or co-branding two parties a month. So on the second Wednesday, we open a show, and the first Friday of the month, we close a show. And on a closing of the show, it's it's low-key. Um, not as many people will show up, but we get a great selection. And on those particular nights, I co, uh, co-sponsor it with someone from one of our local networking groups. Uh-huh. Um, it could be a builder, it could be a winemaker, it could be um, a talk show host. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Oh, we it may have be. to do a special. I say we may have to do a special edition. <laughs> you know, yeah, you could broadcast live on a finissage, and and uh, it, it, it's it's really a lot of fun um, to have uh, an opening party where where you know it's glitzy, it's a little more glamorous, and and uh, you know in this kind of a space, it's jam packed. Yeah, and then to have a, a finissage, which would be a little bit uh, quieter, uh, opportunity to buy work um, before it leaves. Yeah, um, which which was actually our goal to get people back in here before the artwork actually left. Oh, good. Can you talk a little bit about um, purchasing artwork as an investment? Because there came a time. Oh, yes. I won't say what age I am, <laughs> but you know we're um, in our demographic. Yeah, um, but you know I went from posters. To I, I wanted real art, and it kind of started sometimes because I would travel someplace, and I wanted to have a really fond memory of where I traveled. But then other times, I could see coming here quite often, and maybe not purchasing anything until the fifth time I came. But it's really because it's so personal, it speaks to you. So, but can you talk about purchasing it as an investment? You know, um, I'm going to be a little bit careful on the investment uh, uh, 
quali- uh, category of mm-hmm. it because um, I, I want you to buy artwork that you like. Yeah. You know, I want you to to buy something that speaks to you as opposed to the anticipation of it um, yeah. rising in value. Um, now, my job as an art dealer is to help direct you into a particular piece. If you have two pieces that are $2,000 each, um, what uh, uh, your question to me would be, I like them equally, mm-hmm. which might be the better potential? One might be a regional artist that's just up and coming. One might have um, uh, a more national exposure, and with more national exposure, prices tend to go up. Um, gotcha. You know, once you have auction records behind you, you know, then, then you have more substantial uh, uh, raising of prices at that point. So, so the investment quality, I mean, there are investment quality pieces mm-hmm. of artwork out there. There's blue chip artist Andy Warhol. Oh, uh, yeah. Love Andy. You, you know, these, these are, these are mm-hmm. a contemporary Chuck Close here from the Northwest. Uh-huh. Um, there are some fantastic artists out there that you buy the work. In, and historically, you know, what we're seeing right now at auction is that um, artwork has never sold for higher prices than it is right now during a recession. That and is what is astonishing to me because um, that came up here um, last month when I was out at a social event and we were talking about art and um, I think we were looking for some donation pieces and that was one of the things that came up. They said art has in, in such a low time, it's amazing what things are asking, are getting the higher premiums and art is one of them. Art, wine, um, well, you're seeing a lot of people take their um, money out of uh, maybe the stock market or some other types of investments. Uh, and and if you look back historically, art has had um, safe purchases over the years in in um, higher end collectible artwork. And okay. and, and so um, you you just look back and you say, okay, I like this. I can hang it on my wall. So why wouldn't I buy this over over another piece? Some, something else. Yeah, you know? I gotcha. Well, and I think the other thing about artwork is you're a little intimidated, like you're saying, LB. When what advice would you give to someone who still has, you know, the St. Pauli girl poster or you know the typical posters from IKEA? Oh, yeah. I mean, some of them are pretty, but you or, know, how yeah, do you get into your first piece? Obviously, I know it's personal; it's whatever speaks to you. Sure but you, you know, there's. Um, there, there's such a wide variety of artwork that's available out there that you you can start a, a collection with a Nagel poster, or I have a, a Nagel a, a <laughs> of any kind as as your youth you know starts starts to grow. I my my at uh, 16 years old I went to buy a tennis racket when metal tennis rackets first came out. I'm dating myself when metal oh, metal tennis rackets came out, and I ended up buying an original piece of artwork. Oh, wow. As I walked by a gallery, instead of buying the tennis racket right then, oh. um, so there, there are certain things that you can buy out there. Limited edition prints, um, and and now is not the time to get into it. But but there are original prints and there are reproductions. Yeah, because I think I have um, the first art investment pieces we ever got. Brett and I were Lee Bogles. And we have two pieces, and we when we got the second piece, we wanted to make sure that the number matched, which was 87, mm-hmm. which was the year I graduated. So, you know, it had multiple meanings. So, yeah, they had some value to them. But at the same time, there was a little bit of personal in, in what we were able to get with it, too. Sure. Lee, Lee's a fantastic artist who happens to be from the, 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 the Kirkland area. Yeah. Um, uh, and a longtime friend. Um, the, the aspect of purchasing limited editions is if you can't afford a painting, 
there are prints that are that can be made um, photographically mm-hmm. as one as one uh, uh, way of doing prints, or an actual print that's created only as a print. It's created as a multiple, such as an etching, a hand pulled lithograph, a silk screen, uh, a wood cut, or a lino cut. Those oh are. Oh my gosh, we could do an entire show, we, like a two-hour show on this. I don't this. even want <laughs> to get deep into this with you, except that there are differences between a reproduction, um, even if it's signed and numbered, okay. and an original print, which was created really only as a print. It's not, and and the best the best way to approach that is that somebody comes up and says, "I'd I like the original of this." Well, there is no original. No, it's a print. I want the original. No, there isn't uh-huh. an okay. original. It was created as an as an original print, right. and that's all it is. There is no original of that one. Mm. So wow. the difference between having um, a Lee Bogle, perhaps uh-huh. he's not a printmaker. Right. He's a painter who's had limited editions done. Now, anytime anything's done as a limited edition, it does have value because there's a limited number of them. Right. And uh, but if you wanted that painting, that could happen. You could buy that painting. Oh yeah, we waited print. for three months and, right. and had to wait to get that number. We sure. wanted the eighty seven and we had to wait to get that. So yeah. Well thank you so much for for telling us all about this and and helping us to be art socially savvy. I'm glad to have you here and thanks for coming out. Oh, <laughs> okay. one more thing. Oh yeah go really ahead. nice. Um you had to be intimidated by the price either because I've seen your prices are all different oh, yeah. levels, which is nice because you can get into something Relatively, and it's, I saw a piece I love for nine hundred dollars. Yeah, do you do layaway? Uh, <laughs> you know we do. Oh, uh, there you go. Uh, we we certainly have lots of uh, ways of acquiring artwork, um, and we try. You know, we've always tried to be pedestrian friendly. We want to make sure that you have the ability to purchase something that you like. Creating you as a collector right now is more important to me than selling a $10,000 or a $20,000 piece to somebody I might not see again. I enjoy that aspect of, of uh, uh, a long-term relationship wow. and uh, creating something that's a lot of fun for everybody. Well, it's funny, as I go through to, you know, have been through the shows, I think about like this piece in this room and this piece. It's n- nice to kind of see the way the art, the variety of art just kind of inspires you as to, where you would put it and how you would make it a part of your life. Mm-hmm. So, thank you again You're so welcome. much. Thank we were you. thrilled to have you here and thrilled to be here. So um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we are going to go over um, what your clothes say about you. We'll be back.
Hello and welcome back to Socially Savvy. I am here, LB Duchess, as a host with my co-host Tracy Klinkroth of Chick Chat. Hello. And we are going to be touching base now on what your clothes say about you. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, it was funny because I, I debated on doing this so early into the production of our show because um, clothing and fashion has become such a, um, base, for lack of a better, open market. There used to be a time, I remember when I was in high school, where if you didn't wear this this style of clothing, this style of jacket, this style of, of shirt or shoes, you were passe. And um, now it so like that it can't well it can be when you're a teenager when you're a teenager yeah. but I mean I remember looking at the fashion world it was very almost dictatorial compared to mm-hmm. right now you have this big open broad range and you know you like we're going into fashion week and fashion week comes in and it's kind of like they give you these ideas of this is what's hot you know these are the hot colors this is the hot looks but um, it's almost celebrated when you can just put together fabulous dynamic look for your body type for you for who you are and where you're going well i love that and people who who can do that but not everybody myself included oh you <laughs> always do that. look fabulous no. please but yeah i think that's what's fun about shows like project runway and all of those design shows because yeah would i wear half of those no but no there's a little right. piece of it that you can take to kind of make your own yeah well and i know that um actually while we're talking about this before we go into it let's touch base on stylists um, yeah. There are several stylists in the area. Uh, I know one, Sarah um, Elizabeth Caples. You know a couple, and um, it's really interesting to see how their that industry is coming back into the market. Where you know they'll come into your house and go through your closet and pull your pieces that you just either shouldn't be wearing because of your body type, or they're so passe that they're not coming back in the next twenty years. And then they go out and they help you buy you know four, five, ten pieces to really round out your attire so when you walk out you feel confident about mm-hmm. what things you're going you know and they'll sit down and take the time to say you know okay what kind of events are you going to go to you know what it what do you want your clothes to say about you um because like we've talked in the past people when you walk up to somebody oh, you yeah. have 15 mm-hmm. seconds and they are making a judgment about yeah. who you are yeah. um you know about how you're dressed <laughs> and particularly if you're going to be out in the public and you're going to own it art gallery or yes. you're going to be a, a co-host of Socially Savvy <laughs> or you're going to be doing events or your business owner really it, it really does, yeah it know, does if you if you come looking slovenly then unfortunately that's going to be saying something about you right and so can I talk about the two hosts yes please talk about the other two stylists that you know about yes yeah. so Jeannie um, Fleming Oliver of Style Lab Seattle she's she's has impeccable taste and she started out doing styling mostly men, uh-huh. um, and she's worked her way into doing more women, but also um, weddings. Oh. So you know, you know how many of those ugly brides? Oh my lord! Yeah, you know, the bride tells you, "Oh, you'll wear it again." Yeah. yeah. No, well, when Jeannie sells your wedding, you actually could wear it again. See, I always use those dresses to dust afterwards. <laughs> They're just hideous taffeta. <laughs> and so the other one, um, Mina. I'm going to say her name incorrectly. Her company name is Closet Fly. And she does something where she really helps coordinate your closet and work with what you already have. Like maybe, we like just you said, about, yeah, get a Sarah. couple new pieces uh-huh. and work with color, determining what your color is. And so, and also, t- she actually takes your um, measurements. Oh, so that makes sure you they should, fit properly. And well, this is how you should dress for your size. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because unfortunately, we're not all the runway European models as much as I think we, there are those times where we'd like to be, but. 
Which is never. Well, I mean, you know, just, little, I was never have, going to be. <laughs> yeah, and if you have a little belly, you shouldn't be wearing the, you know, crop shirt. Come on. Yeah. The muffin top. I mean, nobody oh likes my that. gosh, I learned that. <laughs> that was last year was the first time I ever heard that term, and I was like, oh, it just makes you crazy. We've all seen that. Yeah, I think the hardest thing, and you know, when we put on our clothes, I think a lot of us are in this utility mode. It's like, okay, I'm going out in the public. I need to be dressed. I'm just, I'm covering myself. I'm going out. I don't think a lot of people take the time, um, especially when, if they feel intimidated or they don't know what to do, take the time to really think about maybe it's just the little details. You know, if you're going out for an interview or you're going to go out into a particular, like we were talking networking, um, one of the mistakes I see people all the time, they either come in really underdressed or really overdressed. Uh, I think... Part of what we've talked about with being socially savvy is, again, knowing what you're going into mm-hmm. and knowing how to dress or how to act or, you know, how it's going to be perceived. And uh, one of the things that they were talking about when we were reading up on this is is um, what you wear, who you are. Mm-hmm. Well, in that first, you know, 30, 45 seconds, it is. Yeah, if you happen to be a woman who is very well built and you wear something that's revealing, um, you may miss an opportunity for somebody to take you seriously because th- that first impression has kind of clouded their judgment. Now, do you have a chance to override that? Yes. Well, yeah, and I think you can be sexy without leading with your boobs, as I say. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, there's women who just have, you know, like the gal from Mad Men. Yeah. What a great body. But you don't, you know, the 1940s, 1950s, yeah. there's some really cute fashions there, and you can have a curvy body. Yes. And there is a, there is a time and a place. It's like, you know, I love, I'm, I'm Latino, and so when I'm down in Mexico, I have an entire wardrobe that I don't yeah. even dare wear in Washington oh, yeah. because it is so socially unacceptable. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm not a, a little pixie stick, but, you know, I've got curves, and I have fun with it. You know, I'm Latin, so I'm moving. I'm rocking it. Um that that when I do wear my more, I would say, seductive clothes, I'm usually with my husband, so then nothing gets misread or misrepresented. You're yeah, you're out on the town. Yeah. Um, I think the important thing is 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 understanding if you're understand what your clothes say about you is more about how people are going to perceive you and what you want to say about yourself. So, if you're going into a networking thing, you want to make sure that the people are listening to you and not looking at what you're wearing. Mm-hmm. And if you're worried about one of the best things you can do is um, I mean, with the internet now, you can browse through and take a look at different fashions and get an idea just for color, even if your budgets are super limited. But call up a, a good friend or or um, somebody who is going to give you an opinion, and like a spouse who will usually go, "That looks great, honey." Um, but yeah, cause somebody, hear it. yeah, well, they're afraid. <laughs> but somebody who can say, you know, maybe you want to think about this jacket, or maybe you know, we're going into spring, maybe add a little bit of color, or maybe tone down the color. Um, but well, just kind of think about where it is you're going. And yeah, think about who your audience is. Exactly. Because I was in Chicago at a at a women's networking event, and this really darling gal, she was a Stella and Dot Rep, actually, um, but she had the shortest skirt on, and she's there with women. And she's younger than most of the other women. Yeah. So they didn't look at her as an equal. They looked and at they her. probably weren't very nice to her, which is sad. Yeah. Because women, well, and that's the other thing is, again, knowing your audience. If you're going into an environment with a lot of women and you're drop-dead gorgeous, in other words, you know you can walk in and you can dominate that room. If you need those women to talk to you, if you need those women to interact with you, that's where you want to kind of tone it down so that you're approachable. Because usually it's 
more of an insecurity on the other people mm-hmm. than it is your lack of confidence in what you wear. You can wear it, you can rock it, and you can own it, but if you need to communicate with those people, then you actually are in the driver's seat and you can put yourself at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that's a good point. Yeah, knowing you, who you're going into. <laughs> if you're going to sit down with an 82-year-old <laughs> English woman, a short skirt's probably yeah, not going to rock the boat very well. <laughs> Her husband might like it. But, yeah, the husband yeah. would probably definitely like it. So, um, and again, you know, and just to kind of to wrap this up, I think a lot of people really worry about what they're wearing when they're going into the interview processes. Um, and when it comes to interviewing. I don't know that you, I think you can you can risk overdressing but not too much. I think when whenever I go in for interviews, I really focus on details because they're looking at you as a whole picture and they're trying to get um a, a certain feel. So know what you're interviewing yeah. for. Um you, you know, don't want to overpower. Exactly. You know? and if you're advertising, if you're for instance interviewing at an ad agency, much different than if you're going to an insurance. Yes, and that's what I was going to so. say is understand the environment you're walking into. Like when I go in for a Nordstrom's interview, I have to make sure that everything from my hair to my makeup to my nails to my accessories, you know, my boots aren't scuffed because of course I want to give the best possible um uh picture for them. Now, if you're going out for a construction interview, you want to be dressed so they know that you're capable. You, you, know, you want to be clean, but you, they also want to see that you know, you're not going to walk out there in a pair of dress pants that doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, most definitely. Can we talk about men's fashion? Yes, let's talk about men's yeah. fashion. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, fashion. being an East Coaster, I don't want people to think I'm just going to sit and rag on Pacific Northwest in Seattle, but the weirdest it's not thing... Rag was when I spend a little bit of money to go to the symphony or oh, yes. a play. I remember going to the symphony specifically. And I wanted to dress up in a long gown and dinner beforehand, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. My date was in a suit. And there was this guy with really good seats. So he spent some money on the tickets in mm-hmm. shorts oh, and Birkenstocks. Yeah. Like, really? Well, can you not dress up? What, what is up with that? I mean, I like the laid back attitude here but it's one of those things where in and i you know i'm raising boys too so i have this whole thought process and and again this goes right back into the whole styling thing is um it's been accepted over here to not have to dress up um one of the things i have to say that i loved about your venetian ball was you said masks were required Mm -hmm. um everybody had to wear it and and they did most people don't have the courage to go this is the kind of event I'm having, and this is what's going to be required. And when somebody shows up at the door and they think they're all that or they have a pocket full of money, nine times out of ten people will let them in instead of saying, I'm sorry, this is a closed event if you're not dressed appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, because everybody is so worried about the political thought process or backlash of being politically incorrect or, you know, you're not identifying my individuality. It's not about that, people. Understand yeah. if you're going somewhere, if you're going to the opera, you know, if you're I'm, I'm actually I'm not even going to say that. If you're going to the opera, I'm going to stick with that. Um, these artists have spent their life, you know, working to to bring you this amazing event. And it's to me, it's a show of respect to bring your best foot forward and put your best out there in response to them putting their best. Yeah. And I think as a culture, if we can go back to that, um, I wasn't going to say it, but I'm going to say it. Um, when I go to church, I dress up. And for me, I, I it's, it's not about me thinking I'm better or worse than anybody. It's, a sh- it's again, showing respect. Put your best foot forward whenever you go. Um, if you're going to go to the grocery store and you're going to go in your sweats and your pajamas, okay, that's fine. Yeah. 
But I I just really feel if we could, as a culture, kind of start to move that way again, respect. Remember the day when people that. used to dress up to fly? Oh, my God. And hats. Yeah. And oh, gloves. I, and, yeah. I mean, the whole nine yards. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, again. <laughs> you know, that's where maybe we bring in Sarah or a genie or a um, Mayna. You know, they yeah. come talk. Because they are men good. just yes. might need a couple little tips. And women, though, too, it's like it's all right to dress up and put on a dress. Yeah. You know, on a Tuesday night to go out. Well, and I, again, you know, the whole purpose of Socially Savvy was to start some of this awareness and start, you know, re-promoting some of these these aspects of society and lifestyle that for whatever reason people have kind of shy away from. And I think most of the reason we shy away from it is we don't know how to do it. Um, you know, one of my favorite things was back in the day I used to wear, um, I worked with Estee Lauder and they did a Carolee event. I don't know if you know about Carolee, but they do these faux pearls and they have this whole thing. Um, I still have the video and it showed you how to wear pearls with jeans and a white shirt and full-length gowns. It showed you how to dress up and dress down, something as simple as pearls, and it just finished you off. And it's those little things, I think, if we can start you know, insinuating back into our culture and reintroducing, number one, it's a whole heck of a lot of fun. And if you have crap for a budget, the Goodwills, the the thrift um, stores, the Value yeah. Village. I mean, I you go treasure hunting. You can find some amazing pieces. And then the other really cool thing that it, that comes out of this is it will give you flashbacks and memories because if you think about how your grandparents dressed when they would go out on the town mm-hmm. or if they were coming back from an opera or something, there's there's memories that go along with that. And we don't want to lose that as our kids keep you know moving forward. We want to keep in reinvesting into that and and reestablishing that. Okay. Yes, well said. Okay, so we are running low on time, so we're going to jump right into what's coming up this next week. Um, We covered a little bit over what happened last week. This week we have uh, Matthew Estates, which is the uh, wine sponsor today, which Mm -hmm. we did not do the wine tasting at the beginning, but we have been sipping on their Zafina. It is a 2004 red wine blend. Um, These adorable little half bottles. Uh, very light. That yeah, makes me feel less guilty about drinking a whole bottle. Oh, yeah. A little half bottle. We're totally guilt-free. But um, it's a nice, light red wine. It's going to be fun for summer. And um, we thank them for being a sponsor. Yes. And that's fun. Zafina, Z-E-F-I-N-A, N-A, from Horse Heaven Hill. Yes. And um, they're over at, um, actually, I'm sorry, this is Apex. I just completely messed that one up. Um, Matthew Estates is one of ours and Apex. So we're very fortunate that we have two of them. And I'm going to have to make sure I keep this straight. So I am so sorry, you guys. You'll just have to uh, give me a bad time later on. I'm sure you'll find an opportunity. But um, Apex is wonderful because they do the Corks and Canvas events. Um, They do... Uh, this week they have a Corks and Canvas event on Thursday, which is sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, yay, and, Stephanie and Lisa. Yes, yay, Stephanie and Lisa. And those ones are so fun because they have an artist come in and they teach you how to paint a particular picture. So for somebody like me who can't draw a stick figure, it was amazing fun. Good. And um, they start off with your first glass of wine, too, so you feel really comfortable when that brush hits the canvas. <laughs> Everything is easier with glass. It, everything is easier. Um, the other event that they have this week is um, called uh, Unplugged, and that is going to be happening on Saturday night um, as well, where they have musicians come in, and you can come where? in at Apex, Apex. Okay. Yep, at, at Woodenville. And then finally, they introduced something that I thought was absolutely adorable, is they do mimosas Saturday and Sunday mornings. It's called the Early Bird, 
and you walk in, and they will start you off with a mimosa and pastries, which is this cool. So they're all about drinking at any hour. They of the day. are all about okay. drinking anytime. Um, they are friendly staff, fun wines. They have an amazing bubbly at fifteen dollars. So. Um, I do believe in the next couple of weeks we're going to be doing a live broadcast from there. Great. So um, keep your ears open. That one should be a lot of fun. Uh, new events coming up this week. Uh, Mondays are a lot of fun. If you're looking for something to do that is fun and frivolous and not pretentious, Lucky Strike does a bottomless bowl. And if you go onto Facebook and you look at their advertisement I for this, it. it's yeah. a crack of, you see the the lower end of these gorgeous legs with these adorable heels and this thong. <laughs> <laughs> the, the connotation just cracks me up. But basically what bottomless bowl is, is for $15 from 9 p.m. till close, you can bowl for the whole night. Um, and then their happy hour food and beverage goes on through the whole night. So awesome. it's a fun way to do a Monday night, you yeah. know. Um, then the cosmetic the trend cosmetic show. trend show is coming up on the nineteenth at Nordstrom's. <laughs> okay, I am a makeup a cosmetic whore. junkie. Yeah. I makeup whore, and I gotta say the um, stylist, I guess, uh, makeup, artist. Is makeup artist, makeup artist, Nordstrom. They're fabulous. Nordstrom and Bellevue, they just have the best. Well, I used to be an artist for Chanel and Estee Lauder. And I can tell you what they put us through mm-hmm. to make sure. And the people that we trained with, I mean, the artists that they bring in, the, they always bring in a premier artist for most of these events for the different lines. And a lot of these guys have done runway. They've done um, red carpet events, um, Academy Awards, uh, you know, all the after parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, which was one of the artists I used to work with, he always walked around with lip liner lip gloss and eyeliner in his pocket because the women would drag him into the ladies' bathroom <laughs> and have him fix their makeup. Uh-huh. You know, so he'd come with all of these tips. So anytime you're looking to kind of get an idea for a new look or how do I wear these colors, those trend yeah. shows are, you really can't miss with those. You're going to get yeah. good information. And when I've gone to, Mac is really one of my favorites, I have to say, and they are really good about telling you how they'll do it for you on, oh, one, yeah. on one eye and then the other. Okay, now you try it. So it's not... As though, you know, you get home and you have no idea how to use the makeup that you purchased. So check that out. Well, and one thing that I really love about MAC is if you're looking for, MAC is really your go-to if you're looking for a good coverage because they were a theater makeup to begin with. And their makeup artists are, if you want to go to any kind of extreme, they can go from very simple to this just elaborate. Like they did your paint on MAC for Venice Thinking. Um, So there's a lot of talent there. but again, you know, Nordstrom's—they have a barrage of things you can go every, you know, anything from simple to the extreme and have a blast. That's Saturday, March nineteenth. Saturday, I'm sure March nineteenth. Fun gifts to purchase. There always is. Um, of course, tomorrow night we have Edward Maya and Vika mm-hmm. Stereo Love Concert. We are the first stop in their tour um, cool for the that? United States. Yep. And for uh, Tuesday night, it was almost sold out this morning, and I'm betting it already is sold out. So, and have you been to an event at Le Cirque? I have. I did oh, the okay. black and white at the Le Cirque, okay. and the the layout is very nice. It's fun. It's going to be interesting to see how they how a concert is set up. I'm not quite sure how that's going, but they had separate bar area for VIP, and um, it's it's open, so it's easy to kind of maneuver. There's not a whole lot of things that are closing you off, so. I think it'll be less frustrating than some of the other venues, but we're really looking forward to that one. Um, Finally, we have... um, Actually, you had some stuff you were going to touch base on. I do, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, March 23rd, uh, Chick Chat's networking soiree. We're doing it. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, you better be there. (laughs) Of course. It's at Art Exchange Gallery, which is a really great woman-owned gallery down on First Ave South and um, Soto. 
and uh, the event is called Women Hold Up Half the Sky, and it's essentially a celebration of women, and because March 8th was International Women's Day, we have a really great speaker panel, um, Leanne Moss, Executive Director of the Women's Funding Alliance, Crooked Trails, they do cultural immersion travel to developing countries. Christy McLean, she's a, a photojournalist and author uh-huh. and coach. It's going to be a really great evening. And also Hamira Abid, I hope I said her name correctly, she's a Pakistani-born sculptor. Oh, and her wow. artwork's going to be on um, exhibit there that evening. So come on down to that. You can get tickets at chickchat.net. You always have the most amazing Thank and you. inspiring events. I love how you, I mean, obviously Chick Chat is empowering for women, but um, just your awareness and your ability to open information. I've learned about so many different organizations that I didn't even know existed. You know, I, love, I love doing that. Yeah, you yeah. do. You you scare me. <laughs> in a good way, hopefully. Yes, in a very yeah. good way. And you said there was another event? Oh, well, that's in April, so we could talk about that another time. Oh, go ahead. Let's just oh, really? drop it okay. now. We April, like to plan. April 9th, it's a Saturday. It's going to be um, our first Chick Lit event. So it's a small, kind of intimate. Chick Lit. Um, it's going to be early afternoon, 4 or 5 p.m. at the Eileen Fisher Store downtown Seattle. Oh, nice. The ladies who work there are the best. And it's uh, Chick Lits are small um, book author book readings and signing events. Oh, fun. And the first book is a book from um, Random House, and it's called Friendship Bread by Darian Gee. And it's essentially all about a celebration of family and friends. And so come on down for that. That's going to be fun. Awesome. Well, we're excited to see all of our events. We hope to see you guys out and about at our events. Go to our Facebook pages, um, Socially Savvy, LB Duchess, Chick Chat, and Tracy Klinkroth for updates on what's coming up. Um, we say a quick thank you to our sponsors. Um, our new lineup sponsor is Go Girl Energy Drinks. They are going to be a part of our next goodie bag on our live broadcast show. Um, which we are in the works of creating in the next two weeks. I believe we're going to be going live broadcast somewhere. Um, Of course, our favorite pop chips, because they are such a large part of the community and supporter of big and small venues. And they taste good. And they taste nummy. (laughs) They're Sweet Talk Wipes, which is a local company that was created. Um, They're germ buster little cell phone uh, wipes to keep Mm -hmm. you from getting sick. Um, Of course, our favorite sake in Seattle for introduction to sake and sake tasting. And, of course, our very own Chick Chat Seattle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank you for coming and listening. We hope that you found it entertaining, and we look forward to chatting with you next week. Have a great one. Good night.